Today we're going to carry on from where we left off last time, rambling about doing cover songs, uh, doing your own versions of cover songs, and what we do with bad songs. I want to know what to do with bad songs. I think I've got quite a few. Doesn't everyone have a few <laughs> bad songs? We'll have a song from myself at one point in today's show. Hooray! <laughs> and we'll have a song from Paddy, of course. Oh. Oh. And also, we're going to have our first guest. Yes, this is the big news. Who's our first guest? The big announcement. So our first guest for this podcast is going to be Andy Andy Griffiths. Andy Griffiths, who's a very good close friend of ours. Indeed. And we'll be having Andy answer a few questions about his songwriting uh, and giving us a couple of examples of his music. So can I just ask, if he doesn't answer the question... Uh, You hold him. I hit him. I hold him, you surround him. That's it. We're going to make him talk whether Pins he wants to or not. Yeah. <laughs> it's a plan. <laughs> Just to let you know that we're joined today by Shona, my old deaf dog who wanders around the house aimlessly. But she's part of the Ramblers, I guess. Moving on. Matt was going to say something. Take it away, Matt. I've never seen a dog drink yeah. that much water in my life. He's drunk body weight about twice. He's going to be. He slow down. So the dog's looking at us like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm trying to drink here. Yeah, you're interrupting my drinking time yeah. by having a conversation. Yeah. In the early stages when I was learning to play music, I used to look for songs that were fairly obvious and people would know them because I wanted the sing-along. I wanted people to enjoy them. I want... And if someone's singing along, you get a pretty positive affirmation that they're listening and that they're enjoying it. Um, And then I started to choose songs that I wanted to perform that were other people's songs, but because I liked them, Mm. not whether or not anyone was going to sing along. So I started to choose songs that were covers, but I didn't go out of my way to point out that they were covers. Sometimes I would. Sometimes I would say, this is a song by so-and-so, and and Mm. people still didn't know who it was by because they'd never heard of that particular artist. But, um, you know, like uh, one of the songs that I was performing for a while there was by a band called Cherry Ghost. Mm. And I, performed, I, know this one. I performed that song for about, oh, I don't know. I would mix it in occasionally, maybe for a, a year or so before I ever mentioned that it was by anybody else. And everybody was convinced it was a song that I I'd written. Was. Yeah, but it, it was just because, like you said earlier, I think inherently you have to perform a song like you wrote it. Yeah, if you want to invest the emotion in it, if you want to convey the feeling, whether it's a happy feeling, a sad feeling, whatever it is, you have to invest in the song. And by doing that, it's going to feel like it's a song you wrote. And also, if you're not trying to perform it in the way that it was recorded, yeah. you know, if it's you've not got the benefit of mass production, you know, a, a mastering studio and keyboards and drums and yeah. God knows what else. So if you've not got all that and you're going to have to make it interesting to your audience, you're going to inherently do it in your own way. And because of that, it's going to feel like a song you've written because mm. it's something that you have to know it backwards and forwards. I can remember talking to somebody about songwriting one time and I asked them, how do you know when you've practiced a song enough? And, and they said to me, honestly, they said that they would practice a song until they could literally be sitting and reading a paper and still performing the song and not mess it up. Yeah. So they've, they've gone through the chords that many times, they've gone through the melody that many times, the, the lyrics were that solid in their head, and they didn't flub it. And then they knew that they definitely had yeah. it down. 
I've never been that diligent. I've never really been that structured. I mean, I always tried to rehearse plenty on my own and also with other musicians, but I've never been that so stringent and, and strict with myself about it. I don't know about yourself. I mean, how much rehearsal time do you, would you say, under normal circumstances, you would do? Between finishing a song and performing it, yeah, not that much really. I, I think there's a thing about when you finish the song, you might sing it to yourself and you go, that's okay. Mm. But it's not until you've played it loud. Mm. And there's a difference between singing it loud when people are listening, and it doesn't matter whether it's mm. um, in a venue or whether it's online. It makes a difference when people are listening yeah. because you will get feedback about it. But also you get a feel yourself. So I tend to do more practice after I played it loud mm. and um, got a feeling for what people thought about it. I got mm. a feeling I could change that and it could be better this way. Yeah. And practice more after the first outing mm. because I know where I wanted to go. Where initially I just want the song finished. There's, there's a delight in finishing the song. Well, there is, and there's that there's an, an initial sort of euphoria that you feel if you if you're happy with what you think you've yeah. produced. And I don't know about you, but for, certainly for me, uh, you know, when when I was first songwriting, I, I might love the song for up to a week, and then suddenly it would be like mm, you start to have the the, the the nagging sort of doubts about things and think mm, it's not actually as good as I want it to be or or whatever and it would all creep in and uh, and then you'd think oh no forget it I'll throw that song away and I'll, and I'll write another song yeah you know it's a bit I guess it must be like um, you know other art forms painters sculptors whatever yeah. they're always trying to create a, a new form of art uh, or a new piece of art and and maybe you know uh, I've heard people say you're only as good as your last performance and things mm. like that so maybe that's the sort of thing that creeps in but uh, it sounds to me like when you when you bring a song out for the first time, probably in a similar way to me, it's still slightly evolving. It's still not quite set yeah. in stone, uh, set in wet cement. Perhaps. It's like jelly; it hasn't set yet. Yeah, yeah. So there's still yeah. things you might want to do to it. I mean, another thing that you have to ask yourself: Are you writing the song because you want it to be something for the audience? Or are you writing the song because it's for you and you hope that the audience likes it? Are you writing the song because it's about some specific thing or an incident or something topical, like you said, about the news, about, you know, current political statement mm -hmm. or whatever? Or are you writing a story song where you're creating characters? There's, there's so many different types of songs, isn't there? I think now I can write songs that are quite abstract. And, and, and I like the challenge of not writing songs about me. Um, and I think that I have um, a moral compass that turns up, not in all my songs, but most of them. But there are other songs that are just about love. Mm. But, you know, it's, it took me a long time to get to a point where I could say, I'm going to finish a song, um, mm. to then making the decision that actually any idea I have can become a song. Mm. Some of them have become songs, and they're crap. <laughs> they're absolutely crap. And uh, there's at least five or six I will never ever play to anybody but I keep them because I might be able to take pieces out well, there's and, certainly, and recycle everything yeah there's certainly a bit of songwriting cannibalism that can take yeah. place where you might go back to something and think I like the melody in that but I don't like the words I don't like the lyrics I chose yeah. or I like the lyrics but I'm not really overly keen on the, the chord progression yeah. or how it felt 
Um, I get that, I understand that. And what about the fact that, I mean, with some of the topics, they're fairly black and white. But what about when you start to get into that territory where it isn't quite so black and white? You know, when you talk about something about, I don't know, how somebody feels about something and how you feel about them feeling about yeah. something and stuff like that. It's not just life, but it's actually songwriters made me consider how to deal with grey areas. Mm. My philosophy is very simple. Yeah. If you've got an idea, you can write it. The trick is to be true to yourself. Don't lie about what you think. Right. Um, and I, when I started to write as a, and every day I'm going to sit and work at writing a song, mm. I tried to keep to that. And some of the things aren't true to me, so if it hurts, which was accounted to songs that say love hurts, Yeah, that's the only bit that's true to myself. If I'm starting again, I wouldn't write it that way because I'm more aware of what my own thoughts are because songwriting makes you explore inside your head more than simply breathing does. I find it makes me more aware of my surroundings because I get inspiration from things that happen around me, whether it's uh, somebody makes a comment and I misheard it or... I hear a piece of music and I like some the sound of the guitar or yeah. I like the sound of whatever. So I'm much more in tune with what's going on around me. I think it, it sort of it broadens your perspective on things and makes you more open to listen to various things and see different things. Uh, and it probably makes me a bit of a nuisance. Cause I think, you know, a lot of times this, I've read things where people will say, uh, you can tell the musicians in the audience because they're not jumping up and down and clapping and singing along. They're standing perfectly still and watching your hands. Yeah. They're listening to what you're singing and they're watching your yeah. hands. And I probably have done that a few times at various gigs, you know, where I'm really loving it, but nobody would probably know because I'm stood there just soaking it up. And I can think of a few times that I've probably done that. Uh, and, you know, the, the musicians on stage must have thought, what a dull art he is, you know, standing there, not moving around, not, yeah, sing, yeah. not singing along. Um, but actually I was loving it and it inspired me and I went away and I wanted to write songs, you know. I think Matt deserves an award for the use of the word dullard. We don't hear that one very often. And one of the songs Matt wrote is this tasty little number called 15. 15 days I've waited for you Fifteen nights I cried myself to sleep Fifteen ways I loved you, my dear Fifteen lines I told myself to keep When we first met, you shone just like a diamond such beauty in my hands But those summer days have gone And I hear you're moving on Running around the town with another man Fifteen days I've waited Fifteen ways I loved you, my 
So it's my turn and I referred earlier to a song called If It Hurts. This is it. How many nights have I spent dreaming dreams of you? How many days did I believe that you dreamed of me? story you know how stories get around I saw it was true I saw him holding you but now I'm hurting from my head down to the ground I heard this song that said love hurts used to believe it was true I'm a mess of pain Because of all that pain is you My dreams are burned up And my heart is on fire And I can't think of letting you go I'm hurting on the inside But I'll never, never let it show If it hurts Something sure is heaven's above. If it hurts, must be something, but it ain't love. If it hurts, it must be something sure is heaven's above. If it hurts, must be something, but it ain't love. Thank you. 
time after time after time after time after time If it hurts, it must be something Sure as heaven's above If it hurts, it must be something But it ain't good bit. Yay, our first guest, Andy Griffiths, is here now and ready to play his first piece. But first he's going to give us a little background to the song Lighthouse Keeper. I, know, I, I love coast path walking, for example, and obviously you go down the right bits of the coast, you'll find loads of lighthouses, which of course are now all automated. And so I, I got this song start coming because I'd actually wanted to be a lighthouse keeper. It probably says something about how sociable I am, or <laughs> was in those days. Hopefully we've got better at it. Um, and uh, it was to do with, you know, this, this whole thing which could be applied to any profession where technology has made the human redundant. Uh, that certainly appealed to me and uh, that song came about as a result of that. But I will play that for you now. I am the keeper of a warning To the mariners at sea This light is all to keep them off the rocks beneath Is it duty or reflection? Nobility or fear, a brave lighthouse keeper, walking the beats. Father kept this watch before me, he saw fighting in the sky. I look up and only see a jet plane leaving stripes. There is talk of automation. There will be no place for me, a brave lighthouse keeper. Out on his ear They say I'm due a medal for my pains Thirty years and all I want is them to stay away Leave me with the song of Galloway Ships will always need the warning 
God, here's the place for me. Away from all the rushing, the pushing and the greed. Some think I am a soldier. When I am frightened by the street, a brave lighthouse keeper, a fish on a beach. How did you know or when did you feel that you were going to be a songwriter? How did that come about? Um, there were two big stages. Uh, firstly was when I knew I wanted to make music um, and that was when I was about 14 and the first time somebody played me the Joshua Tree on mm. YouTube and it kind of it opened up a new world for me because I wasn't really into pop funnily enough up till that age. And and hearing that album for the first time uh, really sort of opened my horizons, as it were. But uh, in terms of knowing I wanted to be a songwriter, that came a couple of years later. And it was when I was watching uh, the old ITV chart show that used to be on Saturday lunchtimes. And, you know, those days, this was about, what, 90, early 90s? And a lot of it was, you know, it was dance music. Some of it was was indie music. And then suddenly, this this otherworldly guitar riff came along, and I, I looked up from what I was reading and was watching this, and this fantastic sort of uh, uh, guitar riff followed by this song with uh, these guys singing harmonies together. And it was like, what is this? And it was uh, Crowded House singing Weather with You, and that. That was certainly a moment that I kind of even knew at the time it was a life-changing moment because uh, that was the point where I knew I wanted to actually write songs mm. um, as opposed to just make noise. Um, so yeah, thanks to Neil and Tim Finn for that one. I should stress that I don't play a single thing from the first 10 years of trying to write songs. There's not a single song that I ever play that's from those first 10 years. Partly because most of what I wrote in those first 10 years was dreadful. <laughs> What's a better word? Uh, I mean, it took me about three or four songs, with, uh, three or four songs, three or four years, <laughs> if only it was only three or four songs, um, it took me three or four years before I first wrote a song that people generally really liked and it had a catchy chorus and all that kind of stuff. It was then another two and a half years before I managed to repeat that feat. Um, you know, I mean, and even now I say I probably discard at least two thirds of what I write. Um, keepers, you know, they, they are, you never quite know when they're going to come along. Uh, and sometimes you can, you can write a keeper and not realise it's a keeper at first. And other times you can do the slightly more depressing thing of writing a song where you're going, yes, this is one. And then maybe as soon as the next morning, but some some was even more depressingly, after a few days or a few weeks, you suddenly realise, no, this song hasn't got it. And 
and you kind of know that it's not a case of it just needs a bit of a tweak and then it's got it. Sometimes a song you just you just you find yourself going, no, it just doesn't it hasn't got that thing. And I I can't often put my finger on what it is specifically. It could be something as simple as I realise that I've said a similar thing in another song but better. Mm. Um or just you know that the tune just doesn't really interest me, or you know, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, in terms of trying to gauge a, a, a song, I mean, I'm sure you do the same thing. If the, if the tune doesn't interest you, the chances are it's not going to interest other people. You know, if you're boring yourself, the chances are. You know. <laughs> there must be times though when you are bored with something and everybody else loves it. Uh, absolutely. Um, uh, my song circle would be a good example. I mean, I, I've gone through periods of hating it because, simply because uh, I'm bored with playing it. Um, I think I've finally, I think it's, it's old enough now that I've got past that um, and sort of just accepted, you know, well, this was a gift and be thankful for it and, and play it. If people want you to play it, you know, that's great. Um, I suppose more of that is to do with the feeling of you're only as good as the last song you wrote. And so if people are still asking for a song that you wrote 10, 11, 12 years ago, it's like, does that mean I've lost it? You know, am I, am I a past tense songwriter or something, you know? And it's a natural feeling, and I'm quite sure a lot of songwriters have it, but um, it's good when you can let go of it. Just stepping back... Um... I mean, these these will probably end up in in different order. But we're saying all the right things, but not necessarily in the right yeah. order. Um, Technology is wonderful. It'll, it'll it'll be smoothless. It'll smoothless. Be seamless. Smoothless. Seamless. That's a great new word. I've got to use that now. <laughs> seamless. Okay. Enough of word invention. What do you do? Let's say now you have an idea for a song. How do you? How do you? Go for a word you go for. In terms of the way I write, generally, I write slightly differently to a lot of people in that I know quite a few people write songs where they they sit with a guitar or a piano, they come up with you know, a bunch of chords that they like in a particular order, and you know they'll they'll come up with a melody line over that, and then and then they'll write words. I'm slightly different to that in that I I need to have some words. I need to have some words come to me, you know, at least an idea that I want to pursue. I mean, I've got I've got sort of I've got you know loads and loads of sort of bits of tunes and stuff that I've recorded where I I, I had a bit of a tune and I had a bit of a melody, but I just couldn't think of a, couldn't think of a, a words to put over the top of it. And I've, I've hardly ever written songs that way. Mm. Uh, I've tried to, uh, but I don't seem to naturally do it. Sometimes it's just a title that I get first. Or, you know, if, if not the title, then the theme of the song. Um, and then I've got to at least have got some words. And often the guitar is the last thing I pick up. Um, uh, I think, you know, it's... It, I probably have more songs that don't make the grade because the lyrics aren't good enough. That's usually what kills a song for me, rather than 
um, musically, um, which is an odd one because obviously lots of people love love music but don't listen to lyrics. But I like to think you know the kind of crowd that we mix with, you know, folkies and all that lot, they do listen to lyrics. Um, so it's it's worth it. And I mean, I, I I've certainly found as as time's gone on that I the music I listen to invariably has what I consider to be really good lyrics and that's as much what draws me in as how good the music is. Do you carry a notebook with you? I usually jot things down on my phone. I'm not very good at carrying a notebook around with me. I, I, I buy regularly buy notebooks and then lose them and then every now and then I'll have a clear out and I'll find that I've got like about 29 different notebooks each with like one song written in them. <laughs> so Andy Let's say you have an idea for a song now. What would you do next? The thing I've noticed is that I type a lot faster than I can write these days. So if I'm in, within range of, of my laptop, then I'm invariably going to batter lines down on there because just because I can physically write them faster than I can by hand. Mm. And sometimes, um, I mean, you know this, sometimes your brain is actually racing in terms of ideas and you've got to scribble it down as fast as you can because they, they, they just vanish the muse being a funny funny old thing like that okay we're also interested in our guest views on what's going to happen next we've had a year and a couple of months now of lockdown and now there's been moments of freedom but generally mm. very few people have been able to play out so to speak and you've heroically kept a whole bunch of people together since March 2020 yeah. with the virtual black horse, which, which has kept us, I don't know, it's kept us in the groove somehow. Yes. And it's given loads of people opportunities to get up and perform. What do you think comes next? And it's a question that has been on my mind from before the pandemic. As, you know, performing musicians... The hardest thing these days is getting people out to actually watch you play. Um, it's a it's a sad fact of modern life, unfortunately. That you know, there's there's too many other things that uh, people use to fill their spare time. I, I don't know whether people are just generally having to work harder as well, so that they don't feel like going out in the evenings. Getting people to actually physically come out and watch live music is. You know, it was a big, big problem before the pandemic. I started actually finding that I was enjoying being a singer-songwriter more in recent times when I stopped thinking of it as a profession. As in, this is what I need to be, this is where I need to be earning all my money to get the roof over my head. Um, I don't see that as in that way now. I see it more as a vocation. Um, I mean... I wouldn't, wouldn't quite go far as to say the dreaded word hobby, um, but it's it's not it's not how I keep a roof over my head. And to be honest, I I think I'd be a lot less happy if that was the case, uh, because just there just isn't the work out there anymore. Uh, and this is this was a big problem uh, long before the pandemic came along. Um, I don't quite know how. Live music's going to work in future. I think it's going to get harder and harder for people to try and do it as a sole source of income. Um, but then hopefully that will be freeing to people. I mean, I, like I say, I find it freeing that 
I'm not reliant on it to keep myself fed and watered. Um, and so that means that I can happily just sort of pick nice gigs to do um, when I can without thinking, well, I've got to get this many gigs a month, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Um, because at the moment, there just simply isn't the work and there aren't the venues anymore. You know, and there's great little venues like the Royal Mail, Spread Eagle, the um, Jolly Miller, uh, the, the, the mighty Charlotte obviously is gone, uh, the Criterion. I think artists are going to have to get more imaginative. Um, I like to think that, you know, if the pandemic situation improves enough for us to be able to have proper live gigs again, that there will be a bit of a, a bounce effect uh, with people going, oh, thank goodness we can actually go out and do these things again. Let's do them, you know. Um, whether that bounce effect would last beyond an initial period, I'm not so sure. Um, I feel like I should be speaking more encouraging about it, but I think, you know, it's, 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 we're going to have to get more imaginative about it. And I think a lot of, particularly younger singer-songwriters, are going to have to be more realistic um, in terms of pursuing it as a whole career. Um, the few people I know who are kind of making a living out of it, and obviously are not doing so at the moment because of the COVID restrictions, um, tend to be people who are not just being singer-songwriters. They'll be being promoters, agents, even in some cases recording people. I mean, uh, uh, our friends 2K and Ryan, who I hope you'll interview at some stage, um, you know, they've got umpteen strings to their bow. You know, they are promoting other acts. They are recording people. They're putting on events. Um, as well as, you know, working extremely hard to get any gig they possibly can. Um, and I think unless you're prepared to really spread your net wide in terms of what you're offering, I think it's extremely difficult to, to make it as a singer-songwriter now. In terms of making, when I say make it, I mean to make a living out of it. Mm. If you're intent on in staying in the music business, diversifying. Absolutely. You know, it's, there is so much competition for people's time now. And unfortunately, you know, it's very difficult to make people who actually, you know, when you get them out to a gig, they'll enjoy it. But getting them out is the problem. Mm. Um, and we've got new generations coming through now, you see, that are not used to having live music as part of the landscape. Like I say, with all the other distractions there are. Yeah. And some of us, you know, in fairness, some people just working so hard during the day that they just don't, they don't want to go out in the evening. But speaking of the future, then, um, what have you got coming up? Um, well, if uh, the restrictions allow, I will have a gig at the end of May, but that's supposedly at the Musician with Chris Conway. Beyond that, I'll be quite honest with you, I haven't booked anything else because I don't know what's going to happen. Um, if it looks like longer term we'll be able to gig, then I'll do it. You know, if, if it's possible to get gigs at places like Black Horse <laughs> or Soundhouse, I'm going to go for it. Um, but uh, in the meantime, just keep making music and and uh, find ways of getting it across to people, whether that's just online gigs or recordings. But it certainly hasn't stopped me writing and wanting to do it. Well, long may that continue. What is your favourite chord, Andy G? 
My favourite chord? Well, it will sound slightly different because um, I've just recently um, come across open G tuning. I absolutely love open G tuning, having started playing in it. Partly because we've already got a chord to start with. But then I thought I needed to find out what E minor was, and it was something like this. And then I sort of started playing around with that. And this is the, currently my favourite chord in open G tuning. So this is an example of a song where um, I kind of almost feel I can only take partial credit for because it sort of seems to just fall out of the sky and land in my lap. Um, and I imagine there'll be a few songwriters you'll interview which uh, will say similar things. I think it, I think it from from it first sort of coming as a thought into my head to finish the song was about half an hour. And it's maybe only had the odd little tweak since, but the basic song just came pretty much vudum. So this is circle. Here we go again, the same ride Sorrow in those broken nights You know I love you Will it take another slap in the face? Here we go again, the old news Sneaking up and crushing you You know I long to Never have to see it again And if you always do What you've always done You will always get What you've always got Break the circle will turn again for certain Here we go again, a new year Still you cannot see for fear No, I don't judge you But you miss the clues in front of your face If you always do what you've always done You will always get what you've always got Break the circle It will turn again for certain Life keeps hurling the lesson you hear it once, then forget it It's time to take yourself in hand Don't think I don't know how you're feeling I hate to see a dream disappear 
You know I love you Will it take another slap in the face And if you always do What you've always done You will always get What you've always got Break the circle It will turn again for certain If you always do what you've always done, you will always get what you've always got. Break the circle, it will turn again for certain. For certain. For certain. Okay, so that brings us to the end of episode two. Uh, Paddy and I would like to say a special thanks to Andy Griffiths for, thanks, play Andy Griffiths. for playing his songs for us today. And uh, we hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. We hope you'll tune in next time for our next special guest, who we will be announcing shortly. Uh, and until then... It's goodbye from me, Paddy McCulloch, one of the rambling men. And goodbye from me, Matt Kennison, the other rambling man. So we are the rambling men, and we're back in a month to ramble at you. Thank you very much for listening. Yeah. Bye-bye.